43 of Be Me Too Sick Bay. I'm here, your host. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm here with Pace, who's who's jumping ahead of the queue. Don't I I'm, hy- I'm, I'm hyping things up. I'm sorry you don't want this energy. Excuse I do me. Want, I do want energy. I would love some energy. Thank you. I'm I'm tired of working at five in the morning. And I'm also here with McFreeze. Greetings. That's that's uh Wilson Overwatch. That's Winton. No, it's Winton. Winton Overwatch. No, Winton wins a ton. Or <laughs> should say greetings. I can. See I cannot. It. I cannot imagine it. No, I can't see it. Worf <laughs> has never had that much cheer in his entire life. Worf is filled with joy all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about this. So, how have you guys been? We uh, we we missed last week because it was a New Year's extravaganza. And uh, now we're here again. We're back. We're back to talk about Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah. So you guys, how have you guys been? This is this is one of the years mm-hmm. of our lives. Did you know that? Yeah, twenty twenty three. This is the first episode, I believe, of twenty twenty three. Am I making that up? No, I'm not. No, it's you true. Are not. Welcome Man. to twenty twenty three. It sounds it's so futuristic, year. doesn't it? We, st- we started this podcast in twenty twenty two. No, twenty twenty one. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Don't think about that too no, that's much. That's weird. I'm yeah, this. We it just feels like we've been doing. <laughs> it still feels like we've been doing this for like a month to me. Yeah, I, I know. It doesn't feel like we've been doing it for that long, even though we really have been, which is not a good sign of anything, really. No, it's a great sign. It's it means we enjoy sign. each other's company and we enjoy talking about Star Trek and watching Star Trek, even I if we could only Star do. Trek. Even if we can only do one episode. No, dude, Nick Freeze made us watch a clip of Voyager last night, and I'm going to say I hate Star Trek after watching Never mind. That. I love Star Trek after that clip. <laughs> that was Star awesome. Star Trek's cool and badass. Uh, why did Voyager exist? Captain Janeway to, is my captain. We had to give time to some very talented writers and directors. Mm. Speaking the of man- talented directors, uh, we've got... Rob Bowman. Of- Sorry, go ahead. No, I wish it was Rob Bowman, dude. Oh my god. No offense to Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> I don't I shouldn't Damn. start off this episode this way. Uh we're gonna talk about reunion tonight, which is a uh, season four, episode seven. Um, this is we got some wharf. We got lots of wharf. Mm-hmm. And what were we talking about? Uh what was your complaint <laughs> about wharf episodes last time about how it's always some stupid Klingon shit? Well, guess what? Okay, I actually like the stupid Klingon shit in this episode because this is a direct continuation off of the last warp episode rather than just like a whole new insertion of inscrutable Klingon politics. Yeah, no, they're getting some consistency with it for sure. And I think it's a really good introduction. Um, and I, I actually really love the way this episode is written. I just uh, some of the direction choices really got to me watching it's it again. A little all over the place. Um I I thought this was all, all the same. I thought this was a very good episode. Uh, Warp had some great moments. Kayla had some great moments. Kayla, Kayla, Kaylar, Kaylar, Kaylar. Um, uh, Duras is a bastard man. Um, he's fucking dead now. Spoilers though, so it's fine. Oh, <laughs> he got Warp's point. Ha ha ha. 
I, we also I, like this is the first episode we get to meet Gowron in, and Gowron fucking nails his first performance so hard. Like every time <laughs> he he's on screen, I'm like, yeah, Gowron. Um, I I mainly is can, can we spoil the episode? You, you already can, spoiled we it. Can whatever. Spoil the episode. Yeah, I think people have, have probably watched the episode by now if they're listening to this podcast. Hopefully, um, if you if you haven't, pause the podcast, go watch the episode, then come back. The the big problem I had while watching this episode was that my reaction to it initially was, man, Kalar's a really fun character. I hope she shows up in the future. Damn, Uh-oh. dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, man, I I really like all this development for Worf and for the relationship between Worf and his girlfriend, who surely is not dead. No. Yeah, they fridge her so hard, dude, and it sucks because she is a great character. Yeah. And I hate that they had to like bring her back to develop their relationship even further just to kill her off and be like, it's really meaningful because we really loved each other. Yeah. Like she's actually like a really fun. She's a great like flip on like, you know, every Klingon is super stuffy, super serious about tradition and all that sort of stuff. And she's a great like, you know, flip on that character. She kind of gets sassy with like, you know, having to de- be completely devoted to Klingon tradition, especially like in this episode where she's like, oh, do I have to do some stupid ritual before I can talk to you now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's like it's a it's a great turn on all of that. And she's just great. Uh, her actress is great. I don't know. It's it sucks that they fridged her for no real gain here. Well, the reason they did it was uh, to just Worf has a son now. Like that's the whole reason that they Terrible. brought her back is like she had to deliver the son. Uh I think he, Worf immediately him. immediately ships had, off. Then she had to deliver him. Worf uh, you know, like uh this is the start of the arc of Worf is the worst father in Star Trek, which I'm excited for you to experience, Haste, but oh my god, Worf is the worst dad. Well, have you seen that kid? Have you seen his kid Stan? I wouldn't be a father to that kid either. <laughs> he's got the most. He's got the most awkward like stance ever. He's only like a year and a half old. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this, this child who is four feet tall is look only this, a year and a half fucking, old. No, 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 no. Look at this nerd right now. Look at this fucking geek. I'm. I'm looking. What? He's a baby. Look at him. He's just a little guy. You know what he looks you know. like in that, especially in that in that jumpsuit. He looks like a Oompa He looks like a Halloween like costume. <laughs> he looks like he's in a Halloween costume, which he is essentially, basically. But he looks like he's out trick or treating. You, you know, I will say too. Like, I will spoil a little bit. Obviously, they bring back uh, Worf's son Alexander in future episodes, but they recast him immediately. Like this, this actor never comes back as him again. So very sad for this little boy with the weird stand. Well, you know, I'm looking. I'm looking for the the quote here um, that I saw earlier. Though they were talking, about, yeah, you know, it's kind of it's kind of a rough rough time for this kid who's. He's a little out of his depth here, trying to be uh trying to be a mean guy. He was just he's just this little shy little kid. He's like, okay, now be go roar at the other kids. He he does his best, you know. I mean, I think that fits Alexander as a character, though, in a way. You know what I mean? 
because he hasn't yeah. really spent a lot of time around other kids. He's, he's uh, I guess not. I'm, I'm, I'm bullshitting. He's a Klingon. He should be angry and violent. That's how Klingons are. Mm, he's, he's only, only he's only seventy five percent. So he should be seventy five percent angry. I have a question. Yeah, but his mom is half human. And remember how like how big of a temper she had in the first uh, her first appearance. I remember she said, "Damn you, Worf." <laughs> what was your question, Hayes? I was going to ask if uh, if Klingons work like Saiyans, where if like you're half human, half Klingon, or some kind of fraction of a of an alien race, are you are you more powerful? Uh, well, Kalar was very powerful, so I'm going to say yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes. Sense. I'm actually going to disagree that Kalar was very powerful because. Well, okay, listen. Sometimes you get beaten to death by a guy. You're not yeah. expecting it. I don't know. <laughs> Goku would have lost his all the same. She didn't know how to go Super Saiyan yet. That's she true. She hadn't figured it out. She never not, will now. It's not Dragon Ball Super yet. Uh, let's uh, let's get into the nitty gritty of this and talk about this episode recap bit by bit here. Um, so this episode, Union, first aired on November 5th, 1990. Uh, the teleplay was written by Thomas Perry, Joe Perry, Ronald D. Moore, and Brandon Braga. And the story was by Drew Dagan, Thomas Perry, and Joe Perry. And it was directed by Jonathan Frakes. There's a lot of people involved in this story. Holy crap. A lot um, of brothers on this. Well, at least two. Well, I don't, it might be brother and sister. I don't know. Joe is J-O. Ah. Which is usually the female spelling of Joe, but I don't know. I'm not looking into it. Uh, Yin Universe date is 44246.3, Soul Year 2367. And as we've talked about, this is the one where Warp is reunited with Kalar, who returns to the Enterprise with uh, their son, young Alexander. And also, there's some other Klingon bullshit happening. The other episode oh, that Frakes uh, directed, that was the D- Data's Daughter episode, right? Mm-hmm. That was the Offspring, yeah. That, so he, he directed a number of episodes throughout TNG, and this is his second one. The first think, one was Offspring. I think John Frakes' episodes are very good at capturing like specific scenes or moments, but like you were saying, they don't always culminate super incredibly well. Like There's some incredible moments in this episode. But it's very scattershot. Yeah, I think my biggest complaint is that some of the stuff that doesn't need to be is like over dramatized. And it feels very uh, some some parts of it feel very like a season one, season two episode because of that. Like, especially ro- this opening. A Romulan detonator. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that part was good. That part owned. You know how Gow- when Gowan found out his like eyes went, what? <laughs> that was so good. I love Gowron. Um, so the Enterprise is in some sector somewhere investigating some radiation or whatever, when suddenly a Klingon cruiser decloaks in front of them and they're like, what? And this is what I'm talking about. We got the fucking dramatic music ass playing like like we think something horrible is going to happen. And uh, no, it's just Kalar. She's like, hey, what's up? We got some important shit to talk about. Can I come over? And Picard's like, yeah, of course. And uh, he, he uh, she says hi to Worf also. Um, Worf, who he... fucking gives the world's biggest stare at this, by the way. <laughs> He's like, hello, no. That's not true, because Gowron is in this episode. Yeah, nobody stares bigger than Gowron. It's incredible to me that Gowron is, like, at, I guess at some point, a, more of a character, because my entire impression of this episode was, oh, he's the guy that's not Duras. 
Yeah, I mean, early on, because we know Duras. We had a whole episode about Duras and how big right. of a piece of shit Duras was. But uh, Galron, like, you can't cast an actor with a glare like that and not bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> is is Galron mania coming up? Should I be excited? Well, I mean, he's the leader of the Klingon Empire at the end of this episode, so we do see him. Uh, they really a bit don't more. dwell on that, by the way. They don't dwell on it too much, no. And I don't, I don't think he actually shows up too, too much in um, TNG. Not that I remember, anyway. I don't know. I kind of blank over a lot of uh, a lot of Klingon episodes, but um, I know he shows up quite a bit in DS Nine. Yeah, uh, there's a lot, a lot of Klingon shit in DS Nine that occurs. Uh so, yeah, Picard asks Worf to go to the uh, transporter pad to greet Kalar, and, and he's like, uh, I, I must ask, Captain, that you that uh, you let me send somebody else, as my shame might offend her. And Picard just immediately like calls his bullshit out and says, hey, you're a member of this crew, and you can't go into hiding every time a Klingon ship appears. And Worf's like, all right, I'll go get her. Um, uh, I mean, uh, I uh, uh, withdraw my request. Uh I thought this was a good callback, too, to the first Kalar episode where uh, Worf gets pissed off about working with her and says basically the same thing and immediately also withdraws his request. Then, <laughs> this, this is a nice little callback they got there. So Worf goes to greet her at the transporter pad and is surprised when the uh, the transporter tech tells tells him that there are two people ready to be beam over. And he's like, oh, OK, sure, whatever. So they do. And Worf is shocked to see one of them is a very young Klingon child. Dun, 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 dun. What? Super awkwardly. He's got his pajamas on. Okay, you got pajamas. He's on. very comfy. He he looks like an oompa loompa. That's racist. <laughs> well, that's racist. Is How it? is that racist? That's racist. Got sure? It's a, that's how Oompa Loompas dress, dude. Yo, this, this chick could just fucking call it all Klingons Oompa Loompas. I don't no, know I called those. Alexander an Oompa Loompa. The other ones are too tall to be Oompa Loompas. Alexander's the only one short enough. Poor Alexander. It has to be noted that despite Alexander being a baby, not a literal baby, but, you know, like a toddler or whatever. He's, he's a literal baby, though. Um, he still has the full Klingon uh, headgear and everything. All like the, the full ridges. Like, it's not like recessed. Like, you might think it would be for like a smaller child. He just looks like he has a human, like a like an adult head on a little baby body almost. Yeah, I imagine that Klingons just come out like that, like with the full ridges. It's probably very painful. Hey, we've seen that they don't. Have we? You just Have posted we? that picture of an actual baby Klingon. That wasn't a Klingon. That That's was some other a... alien. Oh. Yeah, That's yesterday a... McFreeze was sharing with us a picture from Voyager of a of an alien baby that just has some horns on its forehead, and it was very adorable. He's a little cute baby. I put some candy corns on his face. You can't you can't put too much shit on a newborn baby actor. Was what we learned. There's laws maybe about that kind of thing. To be fair, I was very candy tired. Corns on there. I was very tired yesterday. This this is why the podcast is a day later than yesterday. You see. Yeah. So. Yeah. What? No, I'm just explaining to our listening audience, Hayes. Listening audience, whoever they are. <laughs> so Kalar, um, uh, well, they no, they dropped, first of all, uh, Worf and Kalar dropped the, her child, Alexander, off at daycare. And uh, they, then they have this super tense turbo lift right afterwards where um, Worf kind of proudly refuses to ask about their child. And I didn't write down the exact things that happened in this scene, but, you know. Well... I know tense. that I know that she says 
Not even a bite on the cheek for old time's sake. Oh, and is this where she's like, do I, what do I need to do a ritual to talk to you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Kayla, yeah, get his ass. Kayla informs the Enterprise crew that the Klingon Empire is on the brink of civil war as two factions are trying to seize control. And the only one who had managed to maintain the peace was Kim Peck, who we met in the episode last season, um, head of the council, but he is dying. And he's also on board the Klingon cruiser that she came with, and uh, he's asked to see Captain Picard alone. Mm. So we remember Kim Peck, right? Kim Peck is the head of the Klingon High Council, kind of leader of the Klingon Empire, and he's also the one who was like, yeah, Worf, you got to accept this discommendation, bro, or we're just going to go to war, it's going to be terrible, so you just, just, you know, suck it up. He's a pretty chill guy, honestly. He's he's just like, yeah, you know, we got to do it like this way. But Worf, you know, I don't get any beef with you, but, you know, we we, we kind of got to discommodate you. Yeah, it's nothing personal, Worf, you know, it's just we don't want to go to war. That would be bad. Um, yeah, and I, I remember the thing I remember most about Kim Peck in that episode was how they, they had that old woman who was a witness to the massacre come and uh, and she's like, oh, he'll remember me. He always had eyes for me. And and he's like, hey. And she's like, you're still fat. That was uh, that's my Kim Peck memory. He was fat. He was fat. And he still is. And he still is. So <laughs> Picard goes to meet with Kim Peck aboard the Klingon cruiser. And uh, as soon as they're alone, Kim Peck immediately and bluntly tells Picard that he needs his help. And Picard's like, oh, well, you, you're welcome on the Enterprise. We have great medical services. And Kim Peck's like, no, no, that won't do me any good. Uh, I've been poisoned in small amounts over months with an incurable poison, which he does name, but I did not write down the name of it. Uh, some some, it's some bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. But it's a, his wine has been poisoned for months. And what he wants is for Picard to arbitrate the dispute over who will take his place as the Klingon High Commander. And uh, Picard's like, I, I can't do that. You can't have a human doing that shit. And he's like, why not? Of course I can. And and he explains that, um, that Picard doesn't actually make the decision. It wouldn't be like an outsider making the decision about who gets to lead the Klingon High, high Council. Because they, they fight to the death about it, of course, because they're Klingons. He just uh, names the challengers. And so Picard's like, well, why do you need me to do it then? Like, what's the what's the big deal? And Kim Peck's like, I need you to find out which one of them killed me, Galron ah. or, or Duras. And Picard's like, oh, Duras. <laughs> Duras. He wasn't actually like that, but he's, his eyes went up and uh Kimpek's like, ah, you got that name caught your attention. You remember that jerk? He was a real asshole. Um, so <laughs> he he urges Picard. He's like, you have to find who did this and not allow them beco- to become the leader of the Klingon Empire because a, a Klingon who kills without showing his face uh, is capable of anything, even more with the Federation. And Picard's just like, damn, bro, you're right. I will do it. Yeah. And then, uh, Kim Peck like drinks his wine in front of Picard, and I guess that's supposed to signal that he's dying because the very next scene they're like, Kim Peck is dead. <laughs> well, also well, he's like, he's like, oh, by the way, yeah, I already called uh, them and I told you you were gonna do it. Oh, that's and, right. And <laughs> Picard's like, well, you could have asked me. He's like, well, if I asked, you would have said no. And for some reason, Picard doesn't say, I did say no already. <laughs> So we could tell them to leave. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) this. Okay, so I get like that, like, oh, you can't trust any Klingons, you you know, because, you know, they might be conspiring against him or 
for a certain party. I still find it pretty hard to believe he would go to a human to like get this mediated correctly. You know what I mean? He just really liked Ricard for that five minutes they interacted, I guess. I wasn't able to kill you. I trust you. I actually know what that is Klingon logic. Never mind. He it's didn't like, try uh, to kill Picard. That was Duras. That's true. It's like when Goku finds someone who really impresses him and he just can't stay away from them. He has to go find them again. You really have Goku in the brain tonight, huh? I'm always thinking about Goku. That's fair. I do, I do like that. He's just like, all right, you're going to do it. Cheers, bro. I'll drink to that. Oh, right. This is poison. <laughs> yeah, I know. Picard yeah. just kind of looks at him and the kid back looks at his wine like, oh, right. Oh, <laughs> shit. Damn it. I got to stop drinking this poison wine. But anyway, he's dead now. Uh, this stuff's going to kill me someday. <laughs> ah. The way they handle death in this episode is one of my complaints about the directorial stuff because there's two scenes where they do this where they like cut and then the next scene is like, someone's dead. Um, anyway, Alexander is in daycare and he's growling at the other children and uh, Worf shows up to stop him. And Worf tells him, uh, takes him out of daycare, drags him out and says, there's no honor in attacking a weaker opponent. And Alexander's like, but I would have won. That's probably true. It's probably he was going to get all the blocks. <laughs> he had so many. So they're walking down the hall uh, together and then Alexander's just acting like an annoying child and asking Worf. Why aren't there any other Klingons around? And Morph explains, well, there, there aren't any other Klingons, you know, why that nobody else has wanted to serve in Starfleet. And Alexander's like, why? It's just because. Why? And Worf's like, warrior does not ask so many questions. And Alexander just goes, I don't want to be a warrior. I really wish there was just like a smash cut to Worf just kicking him down like through a doorway or something. <laughs> no, wait, we no. cut to Worf with his eyes like, what? He doesn't <laughs> want to be a warrior. He's, he's so shocked he stops walking. He's he just... does. <laughs> it's the worst thing he's ever heard in his life. Where is your mother? I'm his son does not want to be a warrior. Yeah, he does. He immediately like he takes her back to uh, takes Alexander back to her quarters. She sends him off to his room to play. And Worf immediately is like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't taught him shit about our ways. He doesn't even know how to use the fucking batleth. And she's like, what is your problem, dude? I'm half human, remember? And and. <laughs> Well, exactly. I, I like that she the way she says it is that like, listen, he's not 100% Klingon. I'm not 100% Klingon. He's going to figure out his, his own fucking way. He doesn't have to be beholden to all the Klingon rituals. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's good. And she yeah, turns around too. She, and... That's why she has to die. <laughs> uh, they made a Klingon character that was too cool. Well, and the mm. thing is, I don't know of any other Klingon character who comes close to being as cool as her ever in the future. So it's very sad. Yeah. Like, yeah. Extremely sad that she just she, is taken from us. She's not as good as Worf because Worf is simply the funniest character ever made. But <laughs> she's definitely the like, she's the only Klingon that isn't unbearable to listen to over course. Again, not including Worf. Over the course of like five minutes, because at some point you start listening to Do Ross, you start listening to what's that fucking dude's name, Gallagher. <laughs> yeah, Gallagher, that's him. <laughs> um, you just it's just them going, honor, I hate you, you suck. Arr! Yeah, I mean, because she's half human and she talks like a human. Yeah, it's good. It's a. Uh, I feel like there might be some problematic words behind. 
our our view of this year. I don't know. It's, never mind. I'm. I no. I think they just wrote Klingons to be very one note. They did. You're right, and she doesn't have just that one note, and that is what makes her a good character, and why they they need to have more Klingons like that. And we do because... we do eventually get some Klingons that are more than just like oh honor glory glory honor, but uh, right. it takes a while. Like she, well, I like that she's both like, you you know, I think she like treats like Klingon stuff seriously enough that is like a part of her in a sense, but she's not like beholden to it in any capacity at all, which is interesting. Yeah, that's what makes her cool. And because, and, yeah, she's the ambassador. She's the Federation ambassador to the Klingon Empire. So obviously she isn't like uh Klingon stuff because she she's around that you know and she's yeah, she tells uh, <laughs> yeah and she tells someone in this episode I forget who was it Duras that she serves the Empire in her own way right. or was it Gowron I don't know she serves she told that to somebody she told she tells that to Gowron yeah yeah um I I miss her already but uh mm. she turns this around on Worf while he's yelling at her and, and says hey you're awfully concerned given that you won't even like ask about how he's your son and um and he's just mad that she didn't tell him and and she's like yeah i know i was torn about it i wanted to but you would have just demanded we take the oath and and he's like well i also can't acknowledge alexander because he'll uh, suffer my my dishonor as, as well as his children will and um and that brings up kalar being like what what happened there that's so unlike you to accept that you know like i know that there was a child you challenged it initially and he's like yeah but I, I didn't have all the information and i dropped the challenge and she's like yeah but, but but why i can't imagine you ever dropping the challenge um but the conversation is interrupted by a hail from Riker to the bridge and i really like i really enjoy the thread through this episode it's one of my favorite things of of her just really wanting to know what the hell happened with Worf. Like, that's her primary motivation in this entire episode, is she just wants to know what happened. And I thought it was going to go, it's like, somewhere interesting but besides her becoming <laughs> a, a bloody mess on a couch. Yeah. 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 But at least it's uh consistent. Um, yeah. so it's we'll good that she's the official ambassador, and every time we see her, she's just having secret ways to talk to Worf. I <laughs> I, I also like the part where Duras is confronting her about all this. And she goes like, what are you going to do? Stab me. <laughs> <laughs> then the next scene, she's all stabbed to death. It's well, tragic. Who um, see this coming? <laughs> yeah, she didn't really play her cards well that, that time. Yeah. So both the Klingon leaders have arrived. Um, Gowron and Duras. Picard uh, talks to Duras first, who demands that they get on with it. And Picard tells him uh, that they'll do the Sunchi ceremony in one hour. And then they have this good exchange where Jaros goes, one hour? What is the delay? And Picard replies, there is no delay. That is the time I have chosen. Like, fuck off, buddy. I'm in charge here. Just a power move. And uh, Troy and Worf walk into the bridge at this moment. And Jaros sees Worf and he's just like, you keep that compock away from the ceremony. Worf's like, man, I hate this guy. Uh, so they hang up and Picard talks to Worf privately and tells him that he knows how hard this is going to be for him. And Worf asks uh, if he can speak frankly. And Picard's just like, oh, yeah, of course. And he tells Picard that Duras must not be allowed to lead the Empire as his father betrayed them to the Romulans. Um, the recapping of, of the last season's Klingon episode in this episode is so strong. Like, they do not want you to forget what happened. Hey, it was like 100 years ago. It basically was, yeah. 
But Picard kind of like rolls his eyes and he's like, Worf, just because Klingon tradition blames the son for the father's crime doesn't mean I can. Um, you know, I got to do this fairly. And he also mentions to Worf that they uh, they need to figure out who actually killed Kim Peck. And Worf's like, what? Uh, I think it was Juros. <laughs> he's right. <laughs> he's right to think that. You, you guys have seen Glass Onion, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have seen it. The solution is right there the whole time. It's like, hmm, let's see. Who could it be? Oh, I bet it's the one who's the bad guy. Yeah. Remember remember the one who tried to kill us both, uh, you know, on the Klingon homeworld, uh, like, not that long ago? It might have been him. Just saying. I'm going to spoil another scene that happens later on. But I think it's also an example of the poor direction of this episode, or how it was poorly constructed. The scene where Crusher is like, I just can't figure out who blew up your, you know, what caused the uh, explosion on the ship. Wait, that hasn't happened yet. Whatever. Um, at one point, she's like, it's impossible to tell who did it. But one of them had a bomb ex- explode from out of them. So it might be connected to that. Well, yeah. And that that was really, really stupid. The way they led that scene up. I agree 100% because it's like any sense. (laughs) No, she's like, I just don't know who could have possibly done it. I mean, this one guy had his arm explode from the inside out and he was one of Duras's men, but who could have possibly done this? Dude, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Almost like an explosion came out of it. (laughs) Yeah, this guy, maybe he just had a medical condition of arm exploding. Sometimes that happens. I've seen I've seen exploding knees.png. It happens. Oh, I don't want to see that. I never want to see that. I'm going to show you it. No, I don't want to see it. No, 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 no. I'm going to show you it. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. Mm. No, I'm not looking. Uh, So they do the sun chi ceremony, which is a great scene because (laughs) the sun chi ceremony is uh, they determine that the leader of the Klingon High Council, the former one, is dead by all parties involved. I see Hayes typing in Discord. I'm so mad. I'm uh, no. Oh, okay is that that's it okay that's fine it's just a picture of some some kid from the 90s with a cool joystick and sunglasses and a hat and his knees are exploding with like our, a bomb graphic our cultured viewers know what, explode, what exploding knees.png is i don't need to explain it to them i don't know what that is i've seen I, enough real exploding knees in sports I don't need That's what I see. thought it was. That's what I thought it was going to be was some some sports injury. <laughs> Why would I show you that? I would never I do that. I can go find know. it. Give me one sec. Classic no. case move. <laughs> anyway, the Sunshi ceremony. So uh, they need to determine that Kim Peck is dead. So all parties involved, uh, Picard, uh, Duras, and Gauron, they all have their, their Klingon pain sticks here. Remember those? We got some Klingon pain sticks. <laughs> And they just all take turns shocking the corpse of Kim Peck to make sure he's dead. It's so very good. We we all have to do it, by the way. We can't just do this once. I'm, we I'm gotta also, make sure he's not tr- tricking us. I'm also I mean, gonna complain sense. about I'm gonna complain about this actually, though. They all have pain sticks. What do pain sticks do? I don't fucking know. Probably focus with your nerves real bad. Even if you die, if you if you fucking you know, put a bunch of juice into someone's nervous system. They're going to like seize up or something. Yeah, but he's not going to scream because he's dead. I think that's he what they're he testing. Just, but he doesn't even move. He just has like a, just a little glow effect on his like on his big old belly. I mean, maybe Klingons just uh, go rigor mortis very fast. 
I don't Maybe know. he was uh, too fat to move. Oh, that, you know, I'll accept that. It would just make him jiggle more, I would think. Mm, I don't him, know. Make him I, I don't know. in his final moments. I don't know how pain sticks work. I don't know the when they were describing pain sticks in that earlier episode with the dwarf where they shocked him with pain sticks. It almost sounded like they weren't uh, like stimulating nerves directly, but somehow it was just like making pain happen somehow. What does that mean? Where does, well, it, it makes where, a, I'll tell you, it makes a big red glowing spot on your body, which is a weak point, as we Rick, all know. Rick, I want you to tell me where you feel pain. Where I feel pain? Yeah, what 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 receptors in your body might tell you that you're in pain? Listen, we're not going to bring science into this science fiction show. Okay? <laughs> yes. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm feeling pain from haste talking. Oh, damn. It is ass. No, we've confirmed that Kim Peck is dead, though. Everybody takes turns shocking him. And I was going to say, I uh, I think this is actually a smart idea because it makes no, I mean, it makes sense from uh, a Klingon historical perspective because one party could be in on it. You know what I mean? Like they could be faking the death. And one party could just be like, like, oh, I'm shocking him with a pain stick. Ah, and it could be faked, you know? So if all yeah. of them shock them with their own pain sticks, then they all know that he's dead. It makes perfect sense. It does. Yeah. You got to be sure. <laughs> oh, and then we also in this scene see Gowron for the first time. And um, this shot did not HD up well. Like, I don't know what the hell was with this footage, but he like the first shot of Galron is the blurriest footage we have seen in Star Trek The Next Generation HD. It's there, just there the was grainiest. One, there was one shot in season one, and I can't remember anything because season one is a fucking blur. But there was one shot in season one where it was, I think, even grainier, where it just looked like a VHS shot. Yeah, there was, there was, I think that might be season two even. Um, okay. I remember what you're talking about. It wasn't, it wasn't just like a shot. It was like a whole scene where they lost the footage or something. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was like a, and it wasn't just like a close up. It was like a kind of far out shot. And it just looks like it came straight off the world's worst VHS copy. Yeah. Well, he, mm. that's all they had around, unfortunately. It was, nobody kept those season one tapes. Um, but Garon does clear up after this one scene for some reason. So after they all shock the corpse, uh, Duras demands they hurry it up. But Picard says that they will proceed according to Klingon law and meet later on the Enterprise. And, and he says, no, not later, now, Duras demands. Uh, but an explosion happens behind them, knocking a bunch of Klingons over. Now, this guy really wants to be the leader for some reason. He's Very really in a hurry. Yeah. So Worf uh, immediately after the explosion goes to see if Kalar is okay, saying like, oh, I haven't gotten your report about the explosion yet. Um, but she's like, oh, you just cared about me, didn't you? And he's like, yeah, I wanted to make sure you were safe. I'm paraphrasing, but this is no, really he, cute. No, he's like, uh, well, I am the security officer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, he had, he admits, though, that he would have demanded that they take the oath, but not just because of tradition, you know, because when they parted, uh, she had or he had said to her that he would never be complete without her. And she says, you know, and I and I didn't I didn't feel that way at the time, but I've, I've realized after times past that I, I do actually feel that way. And um, and he grabs her head and he mutters the oath. And this time she actually returns it. And yeah. uh it's it's a very sweet moment. It was at we this time. It. I, it was at this time where I realized, you know, I never really heard of this character much. 
Uh oh. What? <laughs> uh, with Kalar. I realized that. Wait, wait a minute. She's saying that she's going to marry him, but I haven't heard of this Kalar character that much. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> that's, not, that's probably not a good sign, but surely they wouldn't kill her off this early, right? Well, it's okay well, because Worf says, uh, actually, hold on. No, uh, let's not get married because I'm all humiliated and stuff. I'm cringe now. I cannot, ha- I cannot be that child's mother. No. Yeah, after they exchange the words, he's immediately like, oh, wait, wait. Take backs, take backs. Oh, I don't want it. Count. <laughs> um, and and she's like, I, and I also, I, I could not, I cannot accept Alexander as my son because of the the discommendation and the shame and whatever. And she says, well, if you can't be his father, at least be his friend. Kalar, like, the, yeah, okay. Kalar, the High Council has deemed that I am unbased. Aww. <laughs> So Picard's still trying to delay this meeting so that they can investigate uh, Impact's murder and also now this fucking explosion. And um, he asks Kaylar how they can do it. And they, they turn, uh, she, she reveals to him that there's an antiquated form of the ceremony that's long and drawn out and he can use that. It's allowed. And he's like, yeah, dang, yeah. So uh, as she leaves, though, she's asking Picard about uh, Worf's discommendation. She's like, I know you were there, you know, and this is a personal matter for me. I just want to know, like, like, what happened there? Can you tell me? And he's like, I'm sorry, I can't discuss it. She just goes, damn, and leaves. So Picard yeah. meets with the Klingons and Gowron, uh... <laughs> okay, I, I must have been you know, like getting really fed up with this episode when I took my notes because I said, <laughs> Picard meets with the Klingons and Gowron demonstrates he is the saving grace of this episode. I don't remember what happens in the scene. <laughs> damn, I, must have I you hated this episode. I think I was just really tired when I took the notes because I, I think I did this after I worked a truck yesterday. So uh, I was just like, God, this episode keeps going. <laughs> so this is basically the part where Garon approaches Kalar and is all like, No, better. no, no. Th- this is a different scene. This was Picard meets with Duras and Gowron. Oh, this right. must be the one where I took a picture of Gowron having a big grin on his face and he looks so good. Yeah, there were I a lot him. of big grins. I remember that. I think nothing important was said in this scene except it was just moving the plot along where Picard tells him, yeah, you got to tell me all about your your cool battles and stuff. And they're um, like, what? This is stupid. No, this is the scene where they're going over the results of like, you know, what was the deal with the fucking bomb, y'all? No, that's not this scene either. What? Let's let's move on. What? I told you it's not an important scene. None of us can really remember what You're happens. inventing this scene up. This doesn't exist. It can't exist. I take perfect notes, Ace. So Worf is hanging out with Alexander, and Alexander wants to see his cool batleth. He's like, whoa, look at this thing on your wall. It's so cool. And Worf explains, like, oh, this was my father's, and it was passed down 10 generations in my family. And he's like, wow, cool. And he starts swinging it around, and Worf's like, no, you're doing it wrong. Give it here. <laughs> and he takes it from him, and he's like, you have to make it an extension of your arm. Whoa, like this. Whoa. Can, can you explain to me the benefits of a convex uh, blade? It looks badass. Well, it can be sword or shield. But it could be that <laughs> if it was if it was convex. You know, I just have to give them a little bit of credit for trying to invent a new kind of weapon for those Klingons. Like, and it, it, it's, it's a passable weapon, you know? Is it? Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's better I... than those freaking pain gloves we've seen. <laughs> I mean, the, uh... But the pain gloves were awesome. I was reading about, uh, let me see reading about the guy who made it up he's like he spent a lot of time like working on something that could actually be used in some way but also was different from what you would see on tv 
Uh, yeah, and I think I think it's effective. Yeah, like you can you can choreograph good combat scenes with it. Um, and it's just like it's a cool sci-fi weapon. I want to see a Forged in Fire episode starring this weapon where someone has to actually make it and then Doug has to find out if it will kill. Dude, there has to be that. Like I would be really surprised if there's never been a Forged in Fire uh battle. It it doesn't exist. I'm going to tell you right now. It absolutely has to exist if you're not forged in fire it has to exist somewhere out there someone has to have tried to make a real patlet and see if it would be effective just get the the most midwestern motherfuckers out in the world (laughs) all right gosh trying to find out how to make a patlet this time uh don't really know what i'm doing here but i'm giving my best shot (laughs) the first first shot we see of this is Worf doing a fucking trading card pose (laughs) so you can see how cool it is yeah, you know, he's fucking does He uses that pose in the actual fight later too. It's it's the Batleth pose. It's iconic. Okay. It's a- so <laughs> now now we have the scene where Gowron goes to see Kalar, and like Kalar is just kind of hanging out in the observation lounge, just chilling. And Gowron's like, "Hey, Kalar, what's up? You know, uh, I think maybe you could speed this up for me a little bit if you if you wanted to." And she's like, "Yeah, I could, but why would I want to?" And he's like, well, what if you uh, had your own ship in the Klingon uh, army? And what if you had, uh, you know, you could have a seat on the high council? And uh, she's like, well, I think all, all these things would happen if you became the leader, you know. And this seems like a something more a Ferengi would say and not a Klingon. And Gowron looks oh, all offended at that. Uh, oh. Kill our rules. She, she really, like, lets her... Um, she lets her mouth go off sometimes in ways that are dangerous to her health. Yeah, well, you might say so. Might yeah, say but it's based. It's based. It's based as fuck. But it actually makes Gowron threaten her now because he's like, you know, you're stubborn. Kim Peck was stubborn too. And now look at him. So maybe uh, maybe this should be a lesson to you. Yeah, she's well, like, I'm young and strong. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, she's like, Kim Peck was old and weak and I'm not. And Gowron just gives her the grin and leaves. But I, I like the misdirection here too, where they're like, Gowron's a bad guy. He maybe he's the one that killed Kim Peck. I, I never really thought that because A, Duras is a bastard man, and B, this is the only scene Gowron really got in this entire episode. Well, but why is Gowron using his only scene to try to take credit for Kim Peck's death? You know, I thought this was this was this confused me when I first watched the series. And I like I think I watched this episode half paying attention. And then later when Gowron showed up again, I was like, wait a minute. Didn't he kill somebody? Isn't he a bad guy? I couldn't remember. (laughs) He probably killed someone. (laughs) Probably. I mean, you don't get to be the leader of the Klingon High Council without killing a few people. You got to break a few eggs. Mm hmm. So Jordi and Data have uh, analyzed the data from the bomb and determined that it used a molecular decay detonator, a technology only used by, who's going to say it? The Romulans. The Romulans? The Romulans! You know, those guys are bad. I I have to assume that a molecular decay uh, detonator is a thing from like the OG series or something, right? 
If that sounds like a thing, <laughs> that sounds like an Easter egg for like something that Romulans have done before. Because otherwise, what the fuck is a molecular decay detonator? No one knows what that is. I mean, they uh, just have to give it a specific name so that they know it's a specific I technology, am, so everybody can gasp and be like, "Oh, that's a Romulan technology." I am googling this right now. Molecular uh, decay emulator well, only ever appeared episode reunion god damn it molecular decay you know well yeah like if uranium it, right <laughs> well if that's the case i feel like anyone could or has made that at some point yeah i'm sure it's not that special no. technology but it's a molecular decay detonator. no one uses it because As, it's so bad well obviously only romulans use it because that's what everyone's exclaiming about nobody else would ever use that kind of detonator just the romulans um, no one would dare give Dark Helmet the raspberry, except for. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> um, so they're meeting about it and trying to figure out who planted the bomb on the Enterprise. Uh, I mean, the bomb was on the Enterprise. The Enterprise crew is meeting about it. And Kayla shares about how uh, Gavron visited her alone and threatened her. But Worf is just sitting next to her and he goes, Oh, no, it must have been Duras. And, and she says, well, why? And he just goes silent and he can't answer. And uh, Picard tells her that they have had prior dealings with Duras, which suggested him to be untrustworthy. <laughs> and then she asks for specifics and he just says, no, nah, <laughs> you don't nope. get any. <laughs> but nope. Picard asks Worf to accompany him to the next meeting. And Worf's like, but uh, if I show up, they're going to be uh, they're going to be horrified. They're going to be it'll, my presence will be very disruptive. And Picard's like, I know that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> Do, do, do. Picard's doing a plot. Picard's so Kalar so is. There should have been an action sting there. It's a, it's a very action sting. It's an action movie line right there. Uh, but I'm me being there. It's only going to cause the problems. I'm counting on it. <laughs> so Kalar at this point is dying to know what's being kept from her because she knows something huh? big is being hid, hidden from her. No, I, I, you know, figuratively dying. Uh, you know. Not literally yet, <laughs> but so she's like going through uh, in her quarters all of the ship's public logs, trying to listen to one of the, uh, each of them one by one, trying to figure stuff out, doing some detective work. Uh, so good luck to her. I'm sure she'll be fine. Meanwhile, Picard meets with the Klingons and tells them that there will be a recess while he considers their petitions, but he wants to ask them about their bomb investigation results in the meantime. And uh, Garon says, "Well, there's nothing to talk about. Is the investigation turned up nothing?" And Picard says that uh, that's surprising as their investigation turned out something rather shocking. And that's when he calls in Worf. And the two of them are both standing up and going, ah, he's not supposed to be in here. He's a traitor. Ah. And uh, Picard's like, hey, Worf's presence is required. And it's my prerogative to investigate anything related to the right of succession. And he's my chief of security. So shut the hell up. Damn. And they're like, ah, fine. And Duras sits back down. And then we get the best exchange in this entire episode where Worf asks what their investigation about the explosion revealed. And Dura says, it was a bomb. <laughs> when he's right, he's right. Where's the lie? I love it so much. Um, and uh, and Worf's like, well, I hope your investigation turned up something a bit more to Gowron. And Gowron kind of plays ball. And he says, oh, yeah, we uh, we know what the bomb was made of. And he says it. And uh, Worf's like, what? <laughs> Fucking Worf, though. He's, he's a sassy little bitch here. Because he, even oh, he's, you know, really? he's like... <laughs> I hope was your investigation did it turn up just as much uh Gonar? Was it Gowron, <laughs> <laughs> dude? Please respect yeah. the head of the Klingon I Council. Yeah, Gonad. 
Um, I I love though the Worf's <laughs> Worf in this scene is so fucking good. Um, but uh, Worf's like, well, what about the detonator? And Dara says, oh, it was inconclusive. And Worf just uh, gets in his face and he's like, well, it's lucky our investigation was more thorough. And because uh, we found out it was a molecular decay switch. And you just see Galron go, what? in his eyes, like his big eyes get even bigger. What? In the background. So uh, and uh, Duras is like, oh, well, I'll return to my ship to confirm these findings. You know, and Galron's standing up too, and he looks directly at Duras and he says, so will I. Like, you know, Galron is suspecting Duras too. Like, everybody fucking knows Duras is, is tight with the Romulans. Nobody trusts this asshole. I think he's just misunderstood. I bet mm. it'll be fine. It'll probably be fine. Okay, Lara, meanwhile, is continuing her investigation and finds that the uh, High Council files were restricted by Duras by linking up with the Klingon homeworld and trying to get access with her ambassador code. So she instead begins looking into Duras. But Duras returns to his quarters on the Enterprise and he, he tells a, a Klingon subordinate whose face we never fucking see. How, did you guys notice this? This drives me nuts. This Klingon has no face. I feel like they just ran out of time to put makeup what? on him or something. Are you serious? No, he never turns around. We only see the back of his head. Maybe he's, only, maybe he's also nuts. half human, but in a much less appealing way. Just has He's a Klingon with a human what does face. What that mean? I don't. I doubt it. I think he's probably just a an actor without Klingon makeup on, or his makeup so, was so bad they just never showed it in the shot. Maybe. Freaks <laughs> just, just, just being like, "Hey, hey, turn, turn, turn around. Don't, just don't, don't look at the camera. It's don't look at the fucking camera." <laughs> but yeah, he never has a face, dude. I that drove me nuts. Um, but he uh, Duras, it's like, oh, we gotta prepare to return to the ship. Uh, but he finds this guy looking at a monitor and the Klingon tells him, yeah, there's a message from the homeworld uh, showing Ambassador Kalar is looking into things she shouldn't be. And Duras is like, huh, well, uh, why don't you distract the guard for me? So the Klingon just walks out the door and you hear the guard shouting after him. Hey, you're not supposed to go un uh, unescorted. Uh, excuse me, sir. You cannot <laughs> leave without an escort. Uh, the guard is Marvin the Martian. Um... <laughs> It was a little yeah. Marvin the Martian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you just make a noise and you go for it. I I liked it. Uh, <laughs> so Duras goes and confronts Kalar and she tells him that uh, she's found out that Worf's father was framed and, it, and his father, Duras's father, was actually the traitor. And uh, she demands to know what happened in that council chamber. Like, okay, this again, all she wants to know is what happened. She doesn't like really give a shit that Taras's father was a traitor. She's just like, you need to tell me what happened in that chamber. And he's like, uh, I, I'm warning you not to investigate this any further. And and then she just like gets in his face and she's like, uh, the son is a traitor, just like his father. Like just rubbing it in, you know. She has no fear. Mm, Should have had one Duras fear. What could Duras possibly do to her, she thinks. But the scene just abruptly ends there, so don't worry about it. I'm sure she's fine. Um, then we get the scene with Crusher and Riker, where they're talking about this fucking arm bomb. <laughs> Dr. Crusher's like, I don't know how uh, it possibly could have happened or where it came from, except that Duras's man had his arm exploded from the inside. Very how could this have happened? It's, it's, like, it's crazy, because she starts out the scene saying, well, it's really hard to tell, you know, 
who brought the bomb in? But I did notice one of them had their arm exploded from the inside out. This might have a connection. <laughs> well, yeah, and she sets up to like two Klingon side. One was Gavron's man and one was uh, one was Duras's man. And so Riker's like, well, which Klingon had the bomb in his arm? It was Duras's man. Da, 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 da. It just is. the. It's like the most forced drama. It's ridiculous. But I'm glad uh, Riker got his one. Did he have another scene besides this? Yeah, he also talked to Data and Jordy when they uh, were were talking about the I bomb, and finding out it was the molecular decay, whatever. I'm glad. I'm glad Jordy and Data got to do something this episode. Although I really didn't miss them, honestly. I thought this is a, a great Worf vehicle. I I love yeah. Worf. Yeah, it's okay to let some of your characters take a back seat sometimes so that other characters can shine. Like, you don't have to have ev- equal screen time. That was the big problem with season one and two is that they were trying to give equal screen time to every single character on the show. You yeah. don't need to do that every episode. You know, do it throughout the season, sure. You know, throughout a season, somebody can have equal screen time. Every freaking episode, you just, you get things get watered down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they need to direct the episode. Yeah. Yeah, so Worf is uh, still You should have done it this episode. Worf is still playing babysitter to Alexander, and he's escorting him back to his mother's quarters, only to walk in and find her beaten mostly to death. She's just barely alive. Uh, pretty to conf- pretty uh, gruesome. This is like the goriest it's gotten since uh, Conspiracy. Yeah, it's really fucking horrible. And her, her one-and-a-half-year-old son is there watching all of this. And uh, she's just alive enough to confirm that it was Duras who did it. And uh, young Alexander's just like staring at her as she dies in Morph's arms. No, 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 no. no. Uh, he actually runs away at the start of the scene and is like facing the wall. Terrible job of acting, by the way. You could tell that he's just like being told by by Jonathan Frakes like every inch of his movement on like what to do because he like walks into the room, looks at looks at uh, Kalar, and is like, "Uh oh, mom's dead." Then just like runs over to the corner and stares at a wall blankly. Once again, <laughs> my notes are a better memory than Hayes's because that is not how it happened. No, no, no. I'm, I'm telling you, that's what happened. He like, runs, no, he, okay. He, he watches uh, her dying. Like Worf is, has her in her arms. She's uh, he's watching her. She takes Alexander's hand and puts it on Worf's hand. And then she dies and Worf uh, sobs and holds her uh, in his arms. And then he does his howl to the heavens oh, thing that the Klingons right. do. And you're, that's you're when totally he runs right. away. You're totally yeah. right. You're totally right. Yeah. That's when Alexander runs away. Because like, he probably doesn't know what the hell this Klingon tradition is. He's just like, um, mom fell over and now, now this guy is screaming. He doesn't know <laughs> what the hell is going on. But Worf, fucking Worf, walks over to this child, this tiny baby child, and, and says, uh, you've never seen death before, have you? And uh, and Alexander's like, no, of course not. I'm like two years old. And he says, then look and remember, uh, like insisting that this two year old child turn around and look at his dead mom. Like, what is wrong with Klingons? Listen, you you gotta get them interested in vengeance from an early age. It's, it's a very just, important part of development. This is fucked up. And this is also one of my other big pet peeves about this episode. Is the end of the scene where um. Dr. Crusher and like one of her nurses or doctors or whatever runs in the room from what door? Because Worf walked in through the front door. They run in through him like the side. Yeah. Does this room have multiple doors? Like what? I what remember happening? that. I remember that very, very clearly. And it was very funny. It's very confusing. <laughs> why does this why does this room have a back door? Why would you enter through it? 
Dr. Crusher was just hanging out in the bathroom the whole time. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, very confusing. Um, but uh, uh, Worf tells Alexander to stay with the doctor and he walks out of the room and Dr. Crusher's just like, hey, Worf, how long has she been? Okay, he's gone. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so Worf goes and he gets his batleth and he uh, takes his comm badge off and leaves it in his quarters. And uh, Crusher reports to Picard and Riker about the death of Kalar, and they ask, oh, well, wh where is Worf? And uh, they realize that he's left the ship and <laughs> transported hmm. over to Duras's ship. And they're like, ah, fuck. We better go stop him. You know, we really got to get a monitor when that guy leaves. Um, You'd think somebody would, <laughs> would have some kind of alarm or something, tell somebody. That he's just transporting over to another ship. But again, they trust everybody on this ship, so it's fine. Uh, so on Duras' ship, Worf comes in there. Uh, he's escorted by one of Duras' men, and they're oh. like, What are you doing? Okay, hold on, because there was one important thing that I didn't mention, which is that Worf goes into his own room. And he's mm -hmm. looking, he's like, Hmm, I got all these weapons. I've got to pick which weapon I like the best. And one of the weapons that he does not pick is, remember, mm -hmm. in Code of Honor, when they had the uh -huh. poison spike fists that Who they used forget? on the jungle gym? He has mm -hmm. one. He I remember that. Yeah. I remember this. No, he I noticed it. that in this in the first scene where Alexander's looking at the Batleth, I noticed that he had the the pokey glove thing that Tasha used, and I'm I was wondering if it was the I, same pokey I, glove and if he kept it as like a, a memory. Of Tasha. I can't believe they would keep that on set. <laughs> what? It's a it's a cool glove with nails in it. I mean, you, you can't don't just, just throw it away. Yeah, somebody spent a lot of time putting all so, those nails someone, in that glove. Someone put tens of minutes into that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they sprayed it with spray paint, real good. <laughs> But yeah, Worf does have that in his quarters. Uh, it's good. I'm glad you brought that up, McFreeze. I meant to earlier. Um, so they go uh, onto Warf onto Duras's ship. Duras is like, "What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here." And uh, his uh, his man is like, "He's here to claim the right of vengeance." And Duras is like, "You have no rights here." Uh, and he's like, "But Kayla was my mate." And they all kind of gasp. And Duras Whoa. takes the sword off the wall. This, so is, Riker, this is how you this is another hint that maybe Doras is bad. It's that all of his own guys don't care that this guy's coming to kill him. They're like, yeah, he can kill. That's fine. That's in the rules. I mean, that's a normal Klingon thing, I think, though. Like you gotta you gotta have that honor. You know, that, that there's that, that that code of honor that they have. Oh well, around, this, this Doras guy only have no honor. That's what we, we're learning. He doesn't, you know. but his his men does because he can't. You can't have a whole Klingon ship but no honorable men. I could do it. Hmm. Um. So Riker and Data go after Worf, which is another stupid bit in this episode. It's like we gotta dramatically go after Worf and stop him, but Worf and Duras are instead fighting to the death. Um. And this this fight could have been a lot better. They could have choreographed this a lot harder. I think, but they didn't. But it, there's just some good blows in it, I guess. And Duras uh must realize that he's going to lose because he reminds Worf, hey, you can't kill me. I'm the only one that can prove you're innocent. You're going to be a traitor forever if I die. And uh, Worf's just like, then that's how it shall be. And uh, Riker and Data run in just at the right moment to see him land the killing blow on Duras. Oh, yeah. This is, this is also um, where you see that 
the Batleth was supposed to be just like Worf's special uh, weapon for just Worf. Uh, because Doras just has a regular sword that is lame and boring. He just has the most regular ass sword. By the way, um, it's I, I know obviously you can't hit each other with sharp objects. Bad idea. But these these weapons could not be any more dull. They're like they're like squared off at the side. You can you, you know maybe on a blurry VHS on a blurry station can't really tell how dull these weapons are. But it is painfully clear here. I can't mm. believe that they would act with doll weapons. That's fucked up. <laughs> I, oh, I'm the bullshit. You know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I, mm. I, it made you suspend your disbelief. They were so dull. It's like they're hitting each other with like Playmobil toys. It's weird to me that the concept was initially that this was supposed to be war special weapon because Batleth duels are much better when there's yeah. Batleth versus Batleth. They don't really work when it's Batleth versus sword. Yeah. It's just stupid. Then everyone gets to use them, so maybe we this, all love Bathless later. Maybe this is why every Klingon uses a Bathless from here on. They're like, damn, fucking Worf owned. Yeah. Yeah. Worf, suck. Worf killed Zeras's fucking ass. I want to get one of those. I'm going to replicate one as soon as I get home. <laughs> <laughs> so the Klingon ship leaves uh, with some Star Wars noises, like, vroom, vroom. And Picard is just scolding the hell out of Worf. He's like, I'm so disappointed in you, young man. You ruined your career. There's going to be a reprimand on your record. Um, and uh, <laughs> I just, you know, I just can't even, I can't even look at you right now, Worf. Get out of here. Can't even with you. Uh, but he, he goes to leave and he actually stops him and says, uh, but don't you think now is maybe the time for the truth to come out about your father since you only accepted the CIS commendation to protect Duras's name and now Duras is, uh, you know, dead. <laughs> and Worf's like, well, the entire High Council had a part in that lie, and they're not easily going to tell the truth about it. But one day, that day will come where I uh, can return to the Klingon Empire or whatever. Hmm. One day. So, so this is actually where I don't like the part of the plot happening in this episode, because it is a continuation off the last Worf episode we had. And now the main through line to that, like, you know, to the High Council, uh, that being Duras is now dead. And Worf and Worf is basically just saying, maybe we'll get wrapped up one day. Oh, well, we'll figure <laughs> it out time. later somehow, somewhere. Yeah, Worf doesn't seem that concerned about it. Honestly, he's like, oh, whatever. At least I got to kill Duras. I got to avenge yeah. Kalar. I was actually just doing a little um, I, I did do a little reading about Kalar. And apparently the entire reason they killed her, and even Michael Dorn didn't want her killed, was so he would be mad enough to kill Duras. That is the yeah, definition they her. The definition of fridging a character. Yeah, they fridged the fuck out of her. It's, yeah, they they sucks. did this so that's often in media stuff. for so long. Like just it was such a common plot device. It's like the woman I loved has been murdered and now I'm angry and have to get revenge. It's, I it's have to do so something I've never done before, but they went too far. <laughs> I think he would have done it before. I'm gonna say he, he probably would have done it. But it wouldn't have felt as justified to the audience, you know, because you have to be like, Oh yeah, he killed his love. He's gotta murder him now. Yeah. Uh, so we, we have one last scene in this episode where Worf explains to Alexander that he's shipping him off to his good human parents. We miss terribly and they should come back. And um, young Alexander says, are you my father? And Worf says, yes, I am your father. 
And then we uh, ship Alexander off. Goodbye, I Alexander. Yeah. I, I, I was about to say, I love you, son. I love you so much. I'll go live with my fucking parents. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like that. It, it, it doesn't really. I actually also really don't like this ending. The entire like through line of this episode for Worf at the end of the day is coming to like the start of this episode is him not really acknowledging his son or he doesn't want his son to know who he is like or what their relationship is and at the end of the day he 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 does you know go through with saying that he is alexander's father he accepts like kind of parenthood kind of of his kid <laughs> and then just says okay off to live with my parents bye-bye good luck you'll love it it's great like what, they, what, yeah. what's the through line here really like what was we what did we learn today well you know you could you can uh backwards logic it and say it kind of makes sense just because since uh kalar's dead now he doesn't really have like alexander doesn't really have a link to the klingon empire anyway so mm. he has somebody's got to take care of this boy so Worf's like all Not right yeah, I'm, I'm your dad you can go live with my human parents on earth have fun but doesn't he care about like Klingon shit? But now he can't do whatever, whatever. Yeah, I told you this is the beginning of Worf is a terrible father. <laughs> like this is where we first see Worf not a not a prepared father, not a good dad. He's not. He's a little unprepared. Well, he was he was extremely unprepared. Remember, Kalar never fucking told him shit, which is pretty kind of fucked up in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, that it was. Uh, an error on her part they'll say it was um not great not a great thing to do you know you should tell somebody when they've fathered your child <laughs> maybe, oh, yeah. maybe also not the best way to to uh reveal to them is the, in the middle of a political mission <laughs> yeah i didn't want to you know find out about this but you know here i am so uh, that's uh, that's your son <laughs> oh, Ain't he cute? By the way another way that you know that doris is bad is that during the fight he kicked dwarf in the balls I missed that. I did. I also missed that. <laughs> That's how you know he's bad. <laughs> All four of them. Oh yeah. Uh, I think we talked about this, and the balls are already a redundancy operation. So I don't know if Klingons have four, four, four balls. Hmm. I don't know how we'll that works. To, we'll have to ask Gene Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry don't know shit. Gene Roddenberry don't know shit about Klingon genitals. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, from what I've heard, he probably knows more about Klingon genitals than anybody else. No, he only cared about the Ferengi genitals. Oh my god! <laughs> I will never forget about him describing Ferengi genitalia in my life. <laughs> so next week we're going to be talking about uh, we got a, we got a pretty good episode next week. We're going to a future imperfect. It is a Riker episode. That is all I will reveal to Hayes, who has never seen it. But uh, it's got some Riker in it, and it's got some fun twists and turns, and uh, you'll enjoy it probably. What is it going to be about Riker going to the future, but it's all weird and fucked up? No, I'm not going to reveal a single thing. Shut up. <laughs> it's called Future Imperfect. What do you want? <laughs> well, it's that's that's a grammar joke. Okay, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Don't okay. worry about it. All right, I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> Um, but thank you guys for uh, listening to us ramble about Star Trek and uh, uh, thank you guys thank you McFreeze thank you Hayes for being here to talk about uh, TNG I'm glad that Duras and Gonad had their battle <sighs> his name is Gowron please respect the head of the clan I am too tired to push this any further <laughs> if you have any questions or comments please email them to us at beammetosickbay at gmail.com we love to hear from you 
and uh, have a good night. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you.